All right, everyone. So in this episode of the American History Podcast, we're gonna focus the next few episodes on like government political science a little bit, you know, take a little bit of a break from various periods in history and just kind of get into some nitty gritty details of like how our government works and different aspects of it. So in this one, we're going to talk about the media. Now, freedom of the press is protected under the First Amendment to the Constitution, as we all know, along with the most cherished individual rights in American democracy, including freedom of speech and religion. Freedom of the press is the right to circulate opinions in print and digital media without censorship by the government. In the United States, citizens and private companies have the right to publish newspapers, magazines, and other forms of digital media with few government restrictions. In a lot of authoritarian countries, there is no freedom of the press, and the government controls the news and political information through state-sponsored media. Now, why would the founders care so much about the rights of the media to report the news without interference from government? In the 1700s, when they were still under British control, freedom of speech did not exist in the American colonies. Criticizing the King of England was a punishable crime, in some cases by death. When the colonists won their freedom from England, they wanted to be able to freely express their political opinions without fear of retaliation. The first of the Ten Amendments to the U.S. Constitution adopted during the founding period states, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of the people to peaceably to assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Despite attacks from both Republicans and Democrats that claim major media outlets are biased, most Americans believe freedom of the press is very important to maintaining a strong democracy and that news organizations are free to criticize political leaders. The media serve three important roles in American democracy, helping to inform the public about current political issues and events, providing a forum through which candidates, politicians, and even the public can debate policies and issues, and acting as a watchdog on the actions of politicians and other political actors. Part of the media's role of informing the public involves providing a variety of perspectives on current events and fact-checking sources to provide unbiased coverage of current events. The media serve as a type of public square where citizens become informed about their government, political leaders, societal problems, and possible solutions, a forum where information necessary for democracy is exchanged. Without the forum of journalists and the media, democracy and self-government would not be possible. The news media are how individuals learn about politics and current events, government policy, candidates, and political parties. The information presented by the media allows citizens to cast informed decisions in the elections and to form about the policy issues. American philosopher John Dewey believed the media served to educate the public. A strong democracy, he said, was based only on voting rights or was not based only on voting rights, but ensuring the public opinion on current issues is based on communication among citizens, experts, and elected officials. This communication ensures elected officials adopt policies consistent for the most part with the preferences of the citizens and serves as a counterweight to communication among elites, the wealthy, and corporations. In other words, the mass media help level the playing field when political elites and the people giving citizens a more potent voice in society. Without the media, citizens would not know the actions of political leaders, corporations, or foreign investments, 
or foreign governments, sorry, and would be powerless to change the system. Journalists, people trained to report the news, give ordinary citizens information and knowledge, and this information is ultimately power. Finally, the media serve as a watchdog for the public, scrutinizing the actions of elected officials on behalf of citizens, most of whom do not have the opportunity to closely follow the actions of politicians and government. Like an alarm system for a home, the media notify the public of actions taken by government that may harm them. The watchdog role of the media is the most important for the study of politics. Political news is reported on page one of print newspapers or in news alerts on your cell phone. The media inform the public about what policy issues are at stake in terms of changes in government laws and regulations. The media seek to expose which individuals and groups are exerting power in politics and what are their tactics and strategies, and sheds light on the different perspectives being used by political actors. For example, the arguments for and against building a wall between the United States and Mexico, a federal major federal tax cut or raise, or adopting a law to create free college tuition. The media often expose how financial interests are tied to political leaders and policy making, or scandalous behavior of politicians and other public figures, like allegations of sexual assault against Republican senatorial candidate Roy Moore or Democratic Senator Al Franken of Minnesota. By reporting the news in the public interest, the media continuously monitors the actions of public officials in its surveillance mode and strives to protect the public from government overreach and corruption by serving as a check on political power. Informing the public, creating a forum for debate, and keeping a watchful eye on government are critical components to democracy, and it seems like a lot to ask of the media. So do the media meet these goals? Now, most practicing journalists receive training in schools of journalism and mass communication. Journalists are guided by standards in reporting the news in the public interest, known as the principles of journalism. Above all, the news media seek to report the truth via fact-checking, verification of sources, and investigative journalism that we're going to define in a little more detail later. This includes reporting factual claims by relying on legitimate sources and citing people with credible positions, eyewitnesses and participants, and events and documents associated with recognizable and credible institutions. The traditional news media aim to balance coverage of current events by providing objective treatment of opposing sides, and it avoids including personal views of reporters or editors. While reporting the news without any bias, objectivity is ultimately attainable because all individuals have biases that influence how they understand events. Objectivity is a method used by journalists to report both sides of a story. The media are sometimes referred to as the fourth branch of government, providing a check on the power of government and political leaders. But who checks or controls the media? In the United States, the media are not part of government and not subject to checks and balances like Congress, the presidency, and the courts. Instead, most media in the United States are privately owned companies. Media companies like technology companies such as Verizon, Amazon, or Apple are for-profit corporations. Public broadcasting refers to television, radio, and digital media that receive funding from the public through license fees, subsidies, or tax dollars. In most other democratic countries, public broadcasting plays a major role in informing the public about politics and current events. In contrast, public broadcasting in the United States, such as National Public Radio or PBS, plays a very small role in the media system at just 2% of market share, compared to 35% in France, 40% in Germany, and 65% in Denmark. What 
is unique about the media in the United States is that most are entirely privately owned and operated. There is evidence from cross-national surveys that U.S. citizens have lower levels of political knowledge than those in European democracies who consume more public broadcasting. Public media usually come with greater restrictions. Swiss law, for example, prohibits political campaign ads on radio and TV programs. They are only allowed in newspapers. In France, the media are prohibited from covering news about candidates running for public office the last few days before the election. American media face many fewer government regulations, as will be discussed later. U.S. media companies earn most of their revenue from advertising rather than subscriptions, though revenue from subscriptions has been increasing. This means media actors, from journalists to editors to the owners of the media companies, are motivated by what the audience wants because higher ratings generate more advertising revenue. Because of the need to reach wide audiences to sell advertisements, the U.S. media are more focused on soft news, such as entertainment, sports, and celebrity news, than are European media, which provide more hard news coverage of politics and civic events. And when it comes to political news, American media tend to focus increasingly on more dramatic, highly conflictual events and issues. Sensational stories of scandals or candidate attacks often generate more interest and thus revenue than the stories of everyday governing and details of public policy. Nonetheless, objectivity is still the goal, and standard practice is that news, opinion, and ads should be separate and distinct. That is why the opinions of editors are reserved for the opinion pages. The profit motive of the newest industry may have contributed to Donald Trump's unexpected victory in the 2016 election. Due to the novelty of a television celebrity running for president, Trump's campaign was a financial boon for the media industry. His candidacy received double the media coverage of his Democratic opponent, Hillary Clinton, and his Republican challengers in the primaries. The head of CBS, Les Moonves, said the Trump phenomenon may not be good for America, but it's damn good for CBS. Throughout the election and Trump's first year in office, the cable news channels profited from higher ratings because of the public's fascination with Trump. CNN, for example, earned about $100 million in television advertising revenue, more than expected in 2016. Newspapers and digital news outlets found that if the word Trump was mentioned in a title, it was more likely to be read and shared online. One noteworthy feature of the traditional media in the United States is the concentration of its ownership. A small number of giant corporations control a wide swath of media holdings, including television networks, movie studios, and record companies, cable channels, and local cable providers, book publishers, magazines, newspapers, and increasingly online and digital media outlets. Large global corporations own much of the media offline and online. Media monopolies, such as Disney, have prompted questions about whether enough competition exists among traditional media to produce a truly diverse set of issues on political matters. In 2019, for example, Disney purchased 21st Century Fox to become the third largest media company in the United States. As major newspapers, television stations, and radio networks fall into fewer hands, the risk increases that politicians and citizens who express less popular or minority viewpoints will have difficulty finding a public forum. Despite the appearance of substantial numbers overall, the number of traditional news gathering sources operating nationally is actually quite small. Several wild services 
four broadcast networks, a few elite print newspapers, and a smattering of other sources, such as a few large local papers and several small independent radio networks. More than three-fourths of the daily print newspapers in the United States are owned by large media conglomerates such as the Hearst, McClatchy, and Gannett Corporations. Much of the national news that is published by local newspapers is provided by one wire service, the Associated Press. More than 500 of the nation's television stations are affiliated with one of just four networks and carry that network's evening news programs. The trend in concentration of traditional media ownership occurred in large part due to the relaxation of government regulations in the 1980s and 90s. The enactment of the 1996 Telecommunications Act opened the way for additional consolidation in the media industry, and a wave of mergers and consolidations has further reduced the field of independent media across the country. But as more digital-only news sources come online, these trends toward concentration in media ownership may reverse. The past three decades have resulted in a massive transformation of the U.S. news media. New competition from digital, free digital sources has put pressure on traditional subscription-based news sources as Americans migrated to reading the news online. Today, 93% of adults read the news online. This picture is very different from the early 2000s, when most Americans said that after television, print newspapers were their main source for news and less than 20% read the news online. Though not replacing losses in subscription and traditional advertising revenue, digital advertising revenue continues to grow. Despite the digital transformation of the news media, much of what makes the media important in American politics remains the same. Major newspapers and TV networks, even if their content is increasingly delivered in digital form, remain popular and important sources of news. Political leaders are successful in making headline news and setting the news agenda. And journalists trained in professional schools create and develop much of what we consume as news, including original reporting. But more and more, the media are online companies facing an environment where anyone with access to an internet connection can publish the news. It is still only a small number of organizations that have credibility in the largest audiences, however. The leading newspapers in the United States, such as the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, receive some of the highest traffic online. Nevertheless, the digital transformation of the media has created a reorganization of the media industry that impacts how the news is made and how consumers learn about politics. Before the internet, journalism organizations largely controlled the news, including original reporting, writing and production, packaging and delivery, and selecting editors. Over time, technology companies like Facebook, Apple, Google, and Amazon have become major players in the content and delivery of the news. These companies are partners in the business of journalism and the financial side to how the news is produced and delivered to consumers. They report the news using advanced technology, engineering, and market research to push specific news alerts to, to specific people based on their interests and preferences, and it seems to be working. Facebook and Google, for example, generate the most digital advertising revenue for newspapers. The interdependence between technology and media companies continues to grow, and one of the latest trends technology companies and their CEOs have been purchasing or developing major news media companies, such as the creation of The Intercept by eBay founder Pierre Omidyar, or the purchase of The Washington Post by Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos. Both The Intercept and Washington Post have a reputation for forceful investigative journalism and original reporting. And Facebook editors control trending topics in the news on the global platform, a key editorial role in what makes the headline news. 
Beyond making the news profitable again, these high-tech collaborations are changing how Americans learn about current events in the United States and globally. This is evident in the growing number of Americans who read news by using social network platforms such as Twitter or Facebook, community forums designed to emphasize participation, network communities, and transparency. How citizens read the news has changed in the digital age, but the role of the media and politics remains as important today as during the founding of our nation. One of the costs of the transformation of the media to digital and citizen journalism, news produced by individuals and organizations beyond professional journalists, has been less rigorous fact-checking and editorial standards for some online news websites. Some digital-only news platforms on both the ideological left and right no longer follow the guiding principles of journalism. Despite mass ownership of traditional news outlets, the American news media are among the world's freest and most diverse. Americans have thousands of available options in political reporting. These options include a wide variety of local and national newspapers, news magazines, broadcast media, radio, podcasts, and digital sources. The freedom to speak one's mind is one of the most cherished of American political values. Without the news media's investigations, citizens would be forced to rely entirely on information provided by politicians and the government and would be deprived of information necessary to evaluate issues carefully and form reasoned opinions. Americans get their news from, one, newspapers and magazines, two, broadcast media, radio and television, and increasingly, three, digital media. Each of these three sources, newspapers, broadcast, and digital, has a distinctive characteristic. Now, newspapers are the oldest medium for dissemination of the news, though most Americans read digital versions of print media today. Newspapers have an especially influential audience because they help set the political agenda for the nation. Their audience of political elites relies on the detailed coverage provided by professional journalists to inform their views about public matters. The emergence of newspapers and later radio and television networks as mass production businesses driven primarily for profit had major implications for the role of media in politics in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. The development of standardized reporting on writing practices emphasizing objectivity in political news coverage was due in large part to generate revenue for media organizations. The owners of large newspaper companies determined that the best way to make a profit was to appeal to as broad an audience as possible, which meant not alienating potential readers who held liberal or conservative political views. This, in turn, required methods to train and discipline reporters to produce a standardized, seemingly neutral news product. In contrast, some native digital news is less likely than like journalism from legacy media outlets to be value neutral. These journalistic practices were successful in attracting audiences, and for a long time, most cities and towns in the country had their own newspaper. However, for most traditional newspapers, recent decades have been financially challenging. Competition from broadcast media and free content online, combined with simultaneous declines in advertising revenue and circulation levels, have undermined the traditional business model of newspapers. In 2018, there were roughly 39,210 working journalists, down from a high of 60,000 a decade before. Estimates indicate daily newspaper print circulation has declined by over 30% over the past 20 years. And lower circulation leads to lower advertising revenue. Following the 2016 election, however, some major U.S. newspapers reported a sharp increase in digital subscriptions. 
The New York Times added more than 500,000 digital subscriptions in 2016, a 47% increase from the previous year, while the Wall Street Journal had a 23% increase over the previous year and the Chicago Tribune a 76% increase. The newspaper industry as a whole, however, continues to face declines in circulation and ad revenue. The New York Times saw a 9% decline in advertising revenue, but a 3% rise in circulation revenue for an overall revenue decline of 2% in 2016. The Washington Post, in contrast, may be a model for making the news media profitable. The Post is a private company owned by Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos. While revenues for most newspapers continue to decline, the Post experienced double-digit revenue growth for three straight years. Along with a viable financial model, the Post has emerged as a leader in investigative reporting, data analytics, and marketing. Bezos rebuilt the Post into a media technology company, producing 1,200 articles per day and exploding readership and dynamic digital content. The newspaper's content distribution uses social media like Facebook and Twitter, often discounts to Amazon Prime members, and the Post app is pre-installed on Amazon's Fire tablets. The Post now tracks how different headlines and story framings affect readership of each story. One of the three major newspapers in the United States, the 140-year-old Washington Post, is known for investigative reporting for breaking the story that revealed the Watergate scandal in 1970 that led to the impeachment and removal from office President Nixon. Now, he actually resigned from office before official impeachment charges could be drawn up, but it's very likely he would have been removed from office. Today, the Post focuses on adversarial journalism of the Trump administration and extensive reporting of Russian interference in U.S. elections. News organizations such as the Washington Post, the New York Times, and the Economist were among the first to charge consumers for reading the news online. For most newspapers today, non-ad revenue comes mainly from digital subscription rather than print circulation. This model allows a certain number of free visits before requiring users to pay and appears to be a viable business model for the digital press. Elite newspapers have been able to create a viable business model whereby people will pay digital subscriptions to access content, and paid digital news is increasing revenue and improving content. Digital subscription models have not been as viable for many smaller or mid-sized local, regional, or even big city newspapers, however. Legacy newspapers face the greatest competition from digital content-only outlets, such as Politico, Bloomberg News, The Drudge Report, The National Review, and a host of others. And the pace of technological change in the news media shows no signs of slowing down. While the media were widely criticized during the 2016 presidential campaign for a lack of scrutiny and uneven coverage of candidates, the media's investigative reporting on the Trump campaign is noteworthy. During the election, investigative articles on the Washington Post, for example, revealed the history around the candidate. Donald Trump's casino bankruptcies, failure to release his taxes, and ties between Russia and the Trump campaign, while others focused on the defunct and fraudulent Trump University. Now, Russia's involvement in the election was especially troubling, and public knowledge of possible foul play in what are normally free and fair elections would not be possible without the deep investigative reporting by the media. Television news reaches more Americans than any other single news source. 
It is estimated that over 95% of Americans have a television and tens of millions of people watch national and local news programs every day. Pew reports that combined average viewership for the ABC, CBS, and NBC evening newscasts remained stable in 2016 at about 24 million. Despite the rise of digital media, television news, local national network, and cable still commands truly massive audiences, much larger than other sources. Television news, however, generally covers relatively few topics and provides little depth of coverage. It serves the important functions of alerting viewers to issues and events, headline news, uh, through brief quotes and short characterizations of the day's events, Furthermore, broadcast media do very little of their own reporting, instead relying on leading newspapers or digital media to set their news agenda. Print and digital media, as written text, also provide more detailed and complex information than radio or television media, offering a better context for analysis. Because they are aware of the character of television news coverage, politicians and others often seek to manipulate the news by providing the media with sound bites that will dominate news coverage. Sound bites can work for or against politicians. During the 2016 presidential election, calls for deporting undocumented immigrants were a frequent soundbite topic from candidates such as Donald Trump. 24-hour cable news stations such as MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News offer more detail and commentary than the half-hour evening news shows found on the three broadcast news stations, ABC, NBC, and CBS. But even these channels offer more headlines and sound bites than newspapers, especially during their primetime broadcasts. Politicians generally consider local broadcast news a friendlier venue than the national news. National reporters are often inclined to criticize and question, whereas local and state reporters are more likely to accept the pronouncements of national leaders at face value. Local TV continues to be a major source of news, especially for older Americans, though its importance as a news source is decreasing among the younger generation in favor of social media such as Facebook. Generally, however, Americans' reliance on television does not appear to be going away. Radio is another broadcast news source that has evolved with the popularity of podcasting, like this one. In the 1990s, talk radio became an important source of commentary as well as entertainment. Conservative radio hosts like Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity have huge audiences and have helped to mobilize support for conservative political causes and candidates. In the political center or center left, national public radio is a coveted source for in-depth political reporting. In recent years, radio news listening has experienced significant growth. In 1990, there was 400 radio stations, a number that has grown to over 2,000 today.
Now, broadcast radio includes traditional AM, FM radio and digital formats such as offline, online radio sorry, and podcasting. While AM, FM radio reaches almost all Americans and remains steady in its revenue, online radio and podcasting has expanded rapidly in the past decade, steadily growing to 64% of Americans who reported tuning in during the last month in 2018, up from 12% in 2007. While broadcasting has a much smaller share of the total media market in the United States than in other countries, NPR is still popular and an important way for people to learn about politics each day. In 2017, there were 5.4 million unique downloads of NPR podcasts every week, a number that continues to grow. Mobile devices, including satellite radios and cell phones, have triggered a growth in radio use as online radio listening can occur nearly anywhere. Listening to radio news while commuting is a primary way many Americans become informed about politics. Comedy talk shows with political content such as The Daily Show, The Late Show, and Saturday Night Live attract millions of viewers on television. These shows use humor, sarcasm, and social criticism to discuss serious topics, generally covering almost every major political event. Pew surveys have shown that these talk shows are important sources of political news, especially for young people and liberals, and that followers of comedic talk shows are well-informed about politics. It is likely that more informed viewers are self-selecting into watchful comedy, watching comedy news. These shows combine political news and entertainment and are an important source of news for young people. The 21st century has experienced a profound transformation of the media, like we already kind of discussed. The impact of the internet and mass communication parallels that of the printing press in 19th century America, which saw the rise of penny press and widespread literacy. Now, penny press were cheap tabloid-style newspaper produced in the 19th century when mass production of inexpensive newspapers were first becoming possible due to the steam-powered printing press. Now, a penny, or sorry, a penny press newspaper cost one cent compared with other newspapers, which cost more than five cents. Now, today, even as the print newspaper business has consolidated, readership of online news has soared. Digital has become the medium of choice to consume entertainment news and information about the politics for all age groups below 50. In 2000, just 35% of adult internet users said they looked for news or information about politics or the upcoming campaigns online. Today, 94% of young people get news online from mobile devices and even 67% of Americans over age 65 go online for news. In 2017, Online news closed in on TV as the major source for news. 43% of Americans primarily get news online, compared to 50% who rely on TV. Streaming videos is a growing substitute for television for some viewers, fundamentally altering broadcast news, as dedicated channels provide political analysis, commentary, full-length features, and comedy. Presidential addresses are now regularly streamed live, and millions of people tune in to hear the president in this format. Similarly, 
podcasts are restructuring radio news by allowing listeners to tune in to the news at any time online. While many traditional news sources, sources such as newspapers now publish online, other digital-only outlets tend to be smaller and more specialized and have lower personnel and overhead costs than mainstream publishers. Besides digital-only news outlets, other digital news sources include news websites, citizen journalism such as blogs, social media such as Twitter and YouTube, podcasts, and nonprofit journalism. Do digital media ultimately help or hinder progress toward the ideal of a well-informed citizenry that can govern itself effectively? So let's see if we can answer that question. You know, let's dive in even more talking about more media. Now, news aggregators like Google News, Reddit, got to be careful with Reddit though, and Real Clear Politics has generally... Uh, compile and repackage stories that were created by other sources and then deliver them online to consumers in convenient formats. They serve as a platform that allow users to share and comment on the news. Some of this content is produced by digital only organizations, mainstream media and social movement organizations, ordinary users and other amateurs, as well as very powerful political groups, governments, candidates, nonprofits, corporations, and professional media organizations. News aggregators, they cover thousands of news stories each day, as well as the latest public opinion polls and their own synthesis of the headline news. Mirroring the digital revolution, digital advertising has grown as a percentage of total media advertising across all platforms. The main benefactors of digital advertising continue to be social media and technology companies such as Google and Facebook. Social media sites are particularly convenient for obtaining breaking news 24 hours a day, and formats for doing so are becoming more diverse and interactive. Fully 73% of Americans use YouTube, the most commonly used social media platform, followed by Facebook at 68%. Rather than merely providing a forum to connect with friends and family, social media are spaces for learning about politics and now a primary source for news, a dramatic change from just a few years ago. A majority of American adults, 67%, gets news on social media. The trend in using social media for political information continues to grow at a rapid rate across all demographic groups. The rise of digital media has changed the way that people get information and share it, affecting everything from political activism, campaign advertising, and voter mobilization to public opinion. Online media are more diverse and have created a more participatory press, one in which citizens and nonprofit organizations now plays a prominent role, and journalists regularly interact with readers via social media, especially Twitter. Readers can now post comments online, upload videos, and participate in a community, providing feedback on almost all online news articles. Digital media, by representing a wider range of political views than traditional media, have created more information and a more vibrant media environment. The term digital citizenship refers to the ability to participate in culture and politics online. Today's internet has the potential to benefit society as a whole by facilitating political participation and social inclusion through greater access to political information and news. The internet helps provide the information and skills needed for democratic engagement and economic opportunity. 
However, regular and effective use of the internet requires high-speed access and digital literacy to evaluate and use information online. Individuals without the access or skills to use the internet may be increasingly uninformed and excluded from the world of politics online. In 2018, 73% of Americans were digital citizens, individuals with home high-speed access and the technology and literacy skills to use it. Access to the internet is shaped by income and education. While only half the working poor, there's earning less than $20,000 a year, had home broadband, 85% of those earning more than $100,000 a year did. 63% of high school graduates have home broadband compared with almost 90% of college graduates. These data suggest that there are significant inequalities in access to digital media, what is called the digital divide. Because digital media are essential to participation in society, some argue that government has a responsibility to provide affordable and universal access as is provided by most other democratic countries. Today, mobile internet on smartphones is increasingly important for news and participation in society, especially for the young, racial and ethnic minorities, and foreign-born populations. Similar inequalities based on demographic factors, such as income and education, are also found for mobile internet access. While many people see smartphone access as the bridge over the digital divide, others consider it as an inferior form of access because many human capital-intensive activities, applying for a job, research for school or work, require a computer and a broadband internet connection. So while young people may think of smartphone access as a panacea, and the percentage of those reading the news on mobile phones has soared, it is definitely far from a perfect replacement for a computer and broadband. Social media, such as Facebook and Twitter, do tend to be a secondary source for news after television for many Americans, but are a primary source for the young. So while television remains the main source for, of news for one in two Americans, young people aged 18 to 33 increasingly learn about politics and news online and are significantly less likely than older Americans to turn to local TV. 78% of people under age 50 get their news from social media. The high rate of exposure to political news via social media is notable since young Americans overall are less engaged in politics. Oh my goodness, I lost my spot, y'all. So, while television, like I said, it uh, remains main source of news for one in two Americans, young people increasingly learn about politics news online. They're less significantly to turn to local TV. 78% of people under age 50 get their news from social media. Now, the higher rate of exposure to political news via social media is notable since young Americans overall less engaged in politics. Just 40%. 46% of people aged 18 to 29 voted in the 2016 election compared to 59% for the 30 to 44 age group. As the web becomes an increasingly important source for political news, young people may become more engaged in politics. Because they are more personalized and interactive than anonymous news organizations, social media allow Americans to learn about politics and political news from each other. Growing use of social media for news 
is evident across all demographic groups, including older people, women and men, and groups defined by race, education, and income. Now, two-thirds of Americans use social media. As of 2018, roughly 68% use Facebook and 24% use Twitter, both of which have high rates of exposure to political news. With President Trump tweeting multiple times per day, as well as the use of Twitter and Facebook by congressional leaders and other politicians, social media sites have become a new source in their own right, as well as forms to share news published in the mainstream media. Facebook provides a more interactive forum for learning about politics than does Twitter, with users more likely to post and respond to news about government and politics, while Twitter's strength is in providing news coverage as it happens, focusing on live events. More than two-thirds of users of both sites say they have posted about news at least at some point. Compared to passively watching television or reading the news, this is a high rate of engagement with political news. Before social media, most people read a daily newspaper or tuned into a digital television program to keep up with the daily news. Social media, now a key way to disseminate the news, have changed how people access news and have also increased filtering of the news. Both Facebook and Twitter have contributed to political mobilization and information sharing by creating virtual social networks where groups of like-minded individuals can quickly and easily share information. While many news stories posted on social media are still produced by major newspapers and digital media organizations, they are consumed differently. Political scientists Jason Gainus and Kevin Wagner use the metaphor of social media as the new dinner table. And the discussions of politics and current events occur within digital social networks of friends and family. Their research shows people prefer news that is consistent with their pre-existing beliefs. Social networks seem to be more homogenous with people holding similar perspectives. This contributed to growing party polarization in politics. Social media also provide a platform for citizens to be directly engaged with political candidates and elected officials who have been quick to adopt Facebook and Twitter as a means of communicating with their supporters or filtering the daily news for them. Gaines and Wagner in their book Tweeting to Power argue that social media is how citizens learn about politics. Because the networks operate outside of traditional media and users pick their own friend networks and can avoid disagreeable ideas and information, parties, groups, and political candidates are able to directly dictate the content of these information networks. There is a study that found individuals are, who are more active politically online and read the news using social media hold stronger partisan opinions. This means using social media for reading the news can exaggerate party polarization among the mass public. Now, Obama was the first American president to use social media extensively in his campaign and during his administration. Political candidates and organizations representing the ideological right, such as the Tea Party, and the left, such as MoveOn.org, have taken advantage of this power to filter the news for their audiences. But Donald Trump is the nation's first Twitter president, directly communicating his opinions on issues and other politicians directly to the people unmediated by the media or even his White House press staff. With more than 50 million Twitter followers, Trump has an enormous audience. His unconventional political strategy involves using social media and rallies to communicate directly with the American people and set the media agenda, while attacking the credibility of other sources that provide information countering his statements. On any given day, the president tweets multiple times a day, often calling out his opponents 
In his famous celebrity takedown mode, he perfected from his experience as a reality TV host. Among his core supporters, the truth is what Trump says it is on Twitter or in emotional speeches before rally crowds. However, fact-checking websites such as PolitiFact have found 70% of Trump's statements are false or misleading, and another 15% are only half true. While Trump effectively used Twitter to his advantage to filter the news for his supporters during the election and then set the media's agenda, his strategy of going public all the time may backfire. You know, while most Americans believe Twitter does allow Trump to communicate directly to the people, few Americans think this is a good idea. A 2017 Gallup survey found a majority, 52%, say his tweets are not an effective way for him to share his views on important issues. And 72% say the tweets do not send the right message to other world leaders. 7 in 10 Americans believe Trump's tweets are often in response to TV news the president has heard, and 71% say Twitter is a risky way for the president to communicate, leading to misunderstandings. Well, social media used for news makes citizens more informed and engaged in politics and more likely to participate. On the downside, citizens may be more vulnerable to misinformation from political actors and candidates, especially if the candidate or organization is their only source of news. Are social media empowering or disempowering? The answer may be somewhere in between. Now, digital news is creating a new generation of whistleblowers, enhancing the media's traditional role as watchdog for the people against government corruption. A distinguishing feature of this phenomenon is the development of citizen journalism, which is interactive and participatory. Citizen journalism includes news reporting and political commentary by ordinary citizens and even crisis coverage from eyewitnesses on the scene, thus involving a wider range of voices in gathering news and interpreting political events. The near-universal availability of cameras on cell phones gives millions of Americans the capacity to photograph or record events thus providing eyewitness accounts. At the same time, social media permit users to upload videos that could be viewed by hundreds of thousands of subscribers or relayed by the mainstream media for even wider dissemination. In 2017, a global firestorm erupted over United Airlines' treatment of a passenger, an older Asian man, who was violently dragged off a boarded plane for refusing to voluntarily give up a seat. The video footage of the bloody passenger was filmed by other passengers using smartphones and uploaded to social media. The video was viewed by millions of people globally, creating an outcry against mistreatment of airline passengers. In response, the CEO of United Airlines apologized for the mistreatment of the passenger and the airline changed its policies. This event also led to a congressional investigation of regulations on U.S. airlines. The United example illustrates how the mechanism of social media and grassroots politics can fuel policy change as well as candidate campaigns. Citizen journalism is enhanced by the ease of starting a blog. There are millions of blogs covering virtually every topic imaginable, and a large share of these include political news and commentary on local, national, and world events. Many blogs are citizen-run and more and more representative of the diversity of American views than traditional news, which generally reflects the priorities of political elites. Citizen journalism supplements the work of professional journalists in many important ways. The diversity of online media has created new opinion leaders and new voices and has even, at times, improved information. In recent years, for example, bloggers have uncovered major factual errors in media reports and forced the networks and newspapers to issue corrections. Furthermore, because bloggers and social media posts do not have strict editorial boards, they could post a story within minutes.
this ability to scoop the mainstream media means bloggers can frame stories about political candidates before those stories break in the mainstream media. By sharply lowering the technological and financial barriers that previously prevented all but a few individuals from teaching mass audiences, blogs increase the the ability of ordinary people to engage in effective political action. The freewheeling nature of blogging and social media often means that there is less traditional quality control employed by professional journalists and institutional old media because they do not face the burden of fact-checking required for the mainstream media or some digital-only news outlets, even well-meaning bloggers can post false information. This is one reason why misinformation about some political issues is higher among blog readers than those reading online news from the mainstream press. As traditional news organizations have cut budgets in investigative journalism, political information is increasingly emanating from universities, think tanks, nonprofits, and private foundations. Think tanks such as the Brookings Institution, the Cato Institute, and the Pew Research Center provide news and analysis on current events to influence political or public debate. While some are ideologically driven, these institutions often provide critical analysis of policy issues. Universities have expanded their public outreach, encouraging faculty to explain their findings for a general audience. Community-based nonprofit newspapers are supported by local foundations seeking to fill the void in local news as local papers close their doors. For example, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, established by Microsoft founder Bill Gates, provides extensive funding to national public radio. Nonprofits can provide rigorous original reporting and critical analysis of current events. Okay, so... As digital news media has become mainstream, it's worthwhile to re-examine why Americans appear to prefer online news. And these reasons include the convenience of getting news online, the -the up-to-the-minute currency of the information available online, the depth of the information that's available, the diversity of viewpoints, and the low cost. At the same time, changes to the media have raised some concerns, as we're going to talk about. Now, information online is convenient. It's available, always available for those that have internet access on a computer or through mobile devices. Pew surveys show that nearly half of those who use online news and political information cite its convenience. Because political knowledge is central to the formation of political attitudes, the convenience of online news may lead to a more informed and engaged citizenry. Use of digital media is associated with a more interest... In politics, greater knowledge of politics, and a greater likelihood of discussing politics with friends and family, as well as voting. One of the most fundamental changes ushered in by an era of online news is the speed with which local, national, and international events are covered, as well as the scope of coverage. Major news stories regularly break first online. Social media have accelerated even further the speed with which news travels around the globe. For example, news of President Trump firing FBI Director James Comey in 2016 spread rapidly through messaging and social media even before it could be verified by traditional media. Online news provides more information than the 60-second sound bites found in television and radio news. By blending more detailed treatment of topics with the visual and emotive appeal of streaming videos, digital media shares qualities both print media, promoting knowledge, and of the visual aspects of television, promoting interest and engagement. The multimedia and even immersive virtual reality capacity of the digital media notwithstanding 
Most websites still rely heavily upon written text, and most political web surfing consists mainly of reading, which facilitates greater recall of information and in turn encourages the acquisition of political knowledge. Online sources are much more diverse than those found in the traditional media, and this diversity may lead to an increase in political knowledge and interest. While other players online often include mainstream outlets, the web remains populated by a wide range of information sources. By making from foreign media such as the British Broadcasting Company, BBC, and Al Jazeera Television easily available, digital media have reduced the importance of physical proximity and created more global news. Such a vast array of voices, of course, means that online sources also can provide misinformation or outright lies, just as can happen in the mainstream media, campaign events, and even presidential debates. While online news holds significant promise for improving access to the political information citizens need, the shift toward online media has also given rise to several major concerns. These potential disadvantages include a decline in investigative journalism, uneven quality in news content, fake news, and negative effects on knowledge and tolerance. In a democracy, the press is expected to be a watchdog for the people and to inform citizens about government abuses of power. The greatest challenge for journalism organizations is to generate enough revenue to finance original reporting and investigative journalism. When readers paid subscription fees to read the news, circulation was high and advertising provided sufficient revenue to allow newspapers and broadcasters to cover both basic news like weather, sports, and business and political events. Revenue from publishing basic news subsidized political analysis and investigative journalism. The internet has made it harder for news outlets to draw advertising dollars since ad firms are migrating online to deliver targeted ads directly to consumers via social media and search engines. Firms can now reach consumers without paying news organizations. By breaking apart mainstream news organizations, digital news may actually reduce the media's ability to engage in the kind of sustained in-depth reporting that is critical to the media's watchdog role. As already noted, the growing diversity of digital news has led to substantial variation in the quality of available information. Multiple perspectives create a stronger marketplace of ideas, but the freewheeling nature of the internet also means that hate speech, unsubstantiated rumors, and factual errors can overwhelm thoughtful, original, and civic-oriented voices. This is especially so in anonymous online forums. Political candidates and political leaders are particularly susceptible to attack when negative stories go viral and spread quickly without fact-checking or respect for the privacy of public figures. In contrast to legitimate news stories, fake news are false stories circulated to generate ad revenue or to benefit one political candidate or party over another. The most widely publicized fake news story in the 2016 election, for example, was that the Pope had endorsed Trump for president. Circulation of the top 10 fake news stories on Facebook was more widespread than the top real news stories about the election. For more on false news, like we're going to look at, well, what is there really to look at? I mean, it's been all over the news when Trump was president, right? But uh, circulate. But a study published by Stanford University found fake news stories on social media in the 2016 presidential election disproportionately favored Trump. The Russian government was involved in generating many of the fake news stories to discredit Clinton and her campaign. To verify media reports found in both traditional and online media, there are websites such as factcheck.org, snopes.com, and politifact.com devoted exclusively to checking the veracity of political claims. 
Perhaps the greatest concern about politics in the digital age is that the very diversity of online news may actually lower tolerance for social, religious, and political diversity, leading to more partisan polarization and societal conflict. Digital media often do not abide by traditional media's principle of objective journalism. Instead, the specialization of information online and on cable television means that liberals and conservatives alike can self-select media that are consistent with their underlying assumptions and avoid exposure to information that might challenge their preconceived beliefs. The natural tendency to select news that conforms with our own beliefs is exacerbated by the way search engines cater to our individual preferences, called the filter bubble, or self-selection bias, which screens out exposure to information that might challenge or broaden our worldview. In general, individuals who frequently consume political news are more likely to be interested in politics, to have political knowledge, and to vote in elections. But exposure to highly partisan news like Fox News for conservatives, MSNBC for liberals, or news on social media and blogs may lower political knowledge. The media in all their varying forms, traditional and digital, lead to a more informed public, but also to growing gaps between the informed and uninformed. And yet, despite the dramatic rise in political information, the diversity of the media, average levels of political knowledge in the population have remained constant for the last few decades due to individuals customizing the political information they receive through their choice of news outlets, which, as discussed earlier, makes users less likely to encounter information that challenges their partisan viewpoints. If the new digital media are to create a more informed democratic process, citizens must have information literacy or the ability to find and evaluate information. Greater access to information online makes education and critical thinking among citizens more important than ever before. One negative consequence of media concentration combined with party polarization may be a growing distrust of mainstream media. Political scientist Jonathan Ladd argues that 50 years ago, the political parties were less polarized and were less likely to attack one another in the press, and newspaper editors also had less incentive to attack their competitors. Ladd maintains that as competition increased in party politics and journalism, the public's distrust of the mass media grew, leading the public to reject the mainstream press's reporting and turn to alternative partisan media sources, those expressly favored by Republicans or Democrats. There are growing partisan divisions and confidence in the news media. Just 11% of Republicans have a lot of trust in national news media compared to 34% of Democrats, according to a 2017 Pew survey. Now, distrust in the mainstream media has increased with the Trump presidency. In response to the negative media coverage of his campaign and presidency, Trump has waged or had waged an unprecedented war on the American media, frequently referring to major newspapers and broadcast media as fake news to discredit them, though these mainstream sources are not producing fabricated news. In February 2017, Trump upped the ante in a tweet where he called the press the enemy of the American people. Conservative Republican Senator John McCain publicly criticized Trump, warning that without a free and adversarial press, that's how dictators get started, by suppressing free press. In other words, a consolidation of power when you look at history. The first thing that dictators do is shut down the press. And I'm not saying President Trump is trying to be a dictator. I'm just saying we need to learn the lessons of history from what McCain said. Now, in an age of digital media, it's more important than ever for citizens to find and evaluate information. 
political fact-checking websites such as politicalfact.com, factcheck.org, snubs.com, they've grown in importance and popularity. Now, the content and character of news and public affairs programming, what the media choose to present and how they present it, can have far-reaching con- political consequences. The media can shape and modify, if not fully form, the public's perception of events, issues, and institutions. Media coverage can rally support for or intensify opposition to national policies on important matters such as health care, the economy, or international wars. Media disclosures can greatly enhance or fatally damage the careers of public figures, as discussed earlier. At the same time, the media are influenced by the individuals or groups who are subjects of the news. The president in particular has the power to set the news agenda through speeches and actions. All politicians, for that matter, seek to shape or manipulate their media images by cultivating good relations with reporters and their news leaks and staged news events. In recent political American political history, the media played a central role in many major events. For example, the media were a critically important factor in the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s. Television images showed powerful civil rights or peaceful civil rights marchers attacked by club swinging police helped to generate sympathy among northern whites for the civil rights struggle and greatly increased the pressure on Congress to bring an end to segregation. To take another example, the media were also instrumental in compelling the Nixon administration to negotiate an end to American involvement in the Vietnam War by portraying the war as misguided and unwinnable. Conservatives have long charged that the liberal biases of reporters and journalists result in distorted news coverage. Though some professional journalists do lean Democratic, they generally defend their professionalism, insisting that their personal political leanings do not affect the way they perform their jobs. Today, journalists represent liberals, conservatives, and moderates. Those who decry the liberal media seldom acknowledge the partisan or ideological leanings of media owners. Rupert Murdoch, for example, the chief executive officer of News Corporation and 21st Century Fox, is a politically active conservative. Sheldon Ann Adelson is another wealthy media mogul with a clear conservative partisan and ideological agenda. Many news sources are perceived as distinctly left or right-leaning, and as discussed before, you know people do tend to have that tendency to select news that conforms with their own ideology. With the exception of Fox News and perhaps MSNBC, there is not much credible empirical evidence for the fact that any particular mainstream news source is, as a whole, explicitly ideologically biased in one direction or another, at least in terms of the news coverage. Most have found to be centrist. Of course, many people perceive particular news stories to be biased. This perception may be what drives ideological self-selection of news sources. Traditional and digital media influence American politics in a number of important ways. The power of all media collectively, both traditionally and online, lies in their ability to shape what issues Americans think about agenda setting and what American what opinions Americans hold about those issues, framing and priming. Now, the first source of media power is agenda setting. That is the media to help set the agenda for political discussion. Agenda setting involves identifying the issues that politicians will pay attention to. Some things are deemed important while others are not. Groups and forces that wish to bring their ideas before the public in order to generate support for policy proposals or political candidacies must secure media coverage. If the media are persuaded that an idea is newsworthy, then they may declare it an issue that must be confronted or a problem to be resolved, thus clearing the first hurdle in the policy-making process. If, 
On the other hand, an idea lacks or loses media appeal, its chance of resulting in news programs or policies is diminished. In the lead-up to the 2016 election, for example, the mainstream media and Donald Trump focused extensively on Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server during her tenure as Secretary of State and the risk of jeopardizing government secrets. Clinton's email use dominated the media agenda, especially in the 10 days before the election when FBI Director James Comey reopened the investigation into her email server. Some stories have such overwhelming significance, such as wars, natural disasters, and domestic and international acts of terrorism, that in the cases the main concern of political leaders is not whether a story will receive attention, but whether political leaders themselves will figure prominently and positively in media accounts. At the same time, many important issues are not on the media's agenda, such as alternative energy sources to fossil fuels like solar and wind power. Likewise, these issues are often absent from major policy discussions. Media attention plays a central role in whether or not officials act on a policy issue, but how policy issues make the news in the first place has remained a puzzle. Political scientist Amber Boydston has shown that the media have two modes, an alarm mode for breaking news stories and a patrol mode for covering them in greater depth. The incentive to reach a wider audience and generate ad revenue often initiates alarm mode around a story after which the news outlets go into watchdog patrol mode to monitor policy implications until the next big media storm hits. This pattern results in skewed coverage of political issues with few issues receiving the majority of media attention while others receive none at all. Today, Twitter often sets off alarm mode by breaking news and causing it to go viral, setting the agenda for mainstream news. Political candidates need the media's agenda-setting role to win elections. Candidates who receive positive news coverage gain momentum, pick up political endorsements, attract campaign contributions, and win support from voters. In the 2008 Democratic primaries for president, Barack Obama exceeded the media's expectations with his early win in the Iowa caucuses. Obama's unexpected victory earned him increased press attention and eventually led the first African-American president to the White House. In 2016, Donald Trump exceeded media expectations by coming in second in Iowa and winning New Hampshire. But candidates who disappoint media expectations, such as 2016 Republican candidate Jeb Bush, see their political endorsements, campaign contributions, and polling numbers dwindle. The influence of the media on political candidates is just one example of the media's vitally important role in American democracy. Because the media are businesses and seek to attract the largest possible audiences, they tend to cover stories with dramatic or entertainment value, giving less attention to important news stories that they deem less compelling. News coverage often focuses on crimes and scandals, especially those involving prominent individuals. Selection bias means that the news media may provide less information about important political issues that the public depends on. For example, there was a media frenzy in January 1998 when reports surfaced that Democratic President Clinton might have had an affair with a White House intern. In 2016, Donald Trump's sensationalist statements during the course of his campaign dominated headline news for months. Partisanship and ideology notwithstanding, the age-old journalistic instinct for sensational stories often trumps both the media's responsibility to inform the public about what really matters and the public's responsibility to demand that from the media. With the mainstream media decide to report on what they ignore has important implications. For example, the Bush tax cuts of 2001-2003, extended under Obama in 2010, had widespread effects, dramatically increasing the federal budget deficit and widening the income gap between the super-rich and most other Americans. But the media provided little coverage of these measures, the result being that 40% of Americans had no opinion on whether they favored the massive tax cuts in 2001. 
In contrast, the media paid more attention to the Trump administration's 2017 tax reform plan, and most Americans had definitive opinions about it. While the bill only had a 36% approval rating according to a Pew Research survey, it was adopted by Congress anyway. Access to the print and broadcast media is such an important political resource that political forces that have less media access, such as Black Lives Matter, have only a very limited opportunity to influence the political process. The skewed coverage of traditional media, however, may be partially balanced out by the diversity of media sources online, especially the growing influence of social media. The language and context in which the media present the news, known as framing, can determine how the American people interpret political events. Robert Aintman defines framing as a social construction of phenomena by the mass media, political or social movements, political leaders, or other political actors and organizations. Frames shape how individuals perceive meaning from words or phrases, photographs, or video. Knowing this, politicians take care to choose language that presents their ideas in the most favorable light possible. For example, during the 2016 presidential campaign, Donald Trump framed Hillary Clinton as a criminal for her use of a private email server. Because few citizens read legislation, when forming opinions about policy and politics, the public relies on media coverage. This means that arguments made by elected officials and other political actors or frames are critical in how the public interprets events and policy. For example, Obama's health care initiative was framed differently by Democrats and Republicans. The Obama administration labeled the initiative the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act thus framing the proposal as a matter of compassionate responsibility and good economic sense. Early press coverage framed the bill as health care reform. Sensing that Americans generally approve of the idea of reform, Republican opponents of the legislation chose different language. The law's provisions for limiting excessive medical testing were labeled as health care rationing, for example, and proposals to create committees to advise patients about end-of-life care were called death panels. A third important way the media can shape political events is known as priming. Priming involves calling attention to some matters while ignoring others when evaluating political officials. As a result, the public will be primed to use certain criteria when evaluating a politician or an issue and ignore other criteria. In the lead-up to the 2008 presidential election, for example, the serious economic recession took the media spotlight. As a result, the economy, far more than other issues, became one of the most important lenses through which the public evaluated the 2008 presidential candidates. In the case of political candidates, the media's focus on which candidate has momentum and is winning the horse race can prime the public to evaluate the candidates based on their likelihood to win the election rather than on their positions on policy issues. For example, when the media declared that Donald Trump had momentum after his unexpected victories and polling numbers exceeded expectations early in the primary season, he went on to win the Republican nomination. News media are not alone in agenda setting, framing, and priming. Elected officials, interest groups, and other political players compete all over all three in hopes of influencing public opinion. News coverage, or the content of the news, comes from numerous sources. Governments, politicians, corporations, interest groups, nonprofit organizations, and others issue press releases to draw attention to an issue and tell their side of the story. The news media continues to be dominated by official government sources. Journalists also gain information through investigative journalism and media leaks. The media may report information that is leaked by government officials. A leak is the disclosure of confidential information to the news media. 
Leaks may emanate from a variety of sources, including whistleblowers, lower-level officials who hope to publicize what they view as their bosses or the government's improper activities. In 1971, for example, Daniel Ellsberg, a minor Defense Department staffer, sought to discredit official justifications for America's military involvement in Vietnam by leaking top-secret documents to the press. The Pentagon Papers, the Defense Department's own secret history of the war, were published in the New York Times and the Washington Post after the U.S. Supreme Court ruled the that the government could not block their release. The Pentagon's credibility was severely damaged, hastening the erosion of public support for the war. Most leaks, though, originate not with low-level whistleblowers, but rather with senior government officials, prominent politicians, and political activists. Journalists are likely to regard high-level sources of confidential information as valuable assets whose favor must be retained. Digital technology has taken the cat-and-mouse game of leaks to a new level. WikiLeaks, an international organization dedicated to publishing classified information, posts leaked government documents to its website and uses an anonymous system so that leakers cannot be identified. In recent years, WikiLeaks has released thousands of secret government documents involving instances of government corruption, war crimes in Afghanistan and Iraq, torture at U.S. military detention camps, and stolen emails from the Democratic National Committee in the 2016 election. In 2013, Edward Snowden, a former employee of the Central Intelligence Agency, or CIA, and contractor for the National Security Agency, or NSA, disclosed thousands of classified digital documents to journalists and international media. The leaks revealed widespread government surveillance programs by the U.S. government working with telecommunications companies. The world learned that the NSA was searching millions of emails and tapping cell phones, even of foreign political leaders. For revealing the mass surveillance program, Snowden has been called a hero, a whistleblower, a dissident, and a traitor. The leaks garnered intense media attention and sparked heated public debate over government surveillance and privacy of information for individuals. Critics of WikiLeaks and Snowden argue that governments must have some secrets and that the release of some government documents may jeopardize national security as well as American soldiers and their allies by revealing their identities. Media leaks play a pivotal role in informing the public of government wrongdoings in terms of foreign policy and infringement of privacy and security in a digital age. The political power of the news media vis-a-vis -vis the government has greatly increased in recent years through the growing prominence of adversarial journalism, a form of reporting in which the media adopt a skeptical or even hostile posture toward the government and public officials. Presidents were first national officials to make use of the opportunities presented by this development. By communicating directly to the electorate through newspapers and magazines, Theodore Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson established political constituencies for themselves, independent of party organizations, and thereby strengthened their own power relative to that of Congress. <clears throat> President Franklin Delano Roosevelt used the radio, most notably in his famous fireside chats, to reach out to voters throughout the nation and to make himself the center of American political life. Subsequent presidents all sought to use the media to enhance their popularity and power, and the media became a cornerstone of presidential power. The Vietnam War shattered this amicable relationship between the press and the presidency. During the early stages of U.S. involvement, American officials in Vietnam who disapproved of the way the war was being conducted leaked to reporters information critical of administrative policy. 
Publication of this material infuriated the White House, which pressured publishers to block its release, but the national broadcast media, and especially the two leading national newspapers, the Washington Post and the New York Times, refused to do so. As the Vietnam War dragged on, adverse media coverage fanned anti-war sentiment in turn. These shifts in popular and congressional sentiment emboldened journalists and publishers to continue to present news reports critical of the war. The media were also central actors in the Watergate affair, the cluster of scandals that ultimately forced President Nixon to resign from office in disgrace just two years later. A relentless series of investigations launched by the Washington Post, the New York Times, and television networks led to disclosures of the various crimes of which Nixon was guilty, leading to threats of impeachment and his subsequent resignation. Gradually, a generation of journalists journalists developed a commitment to adversarial journalism. Adversarial journalism intensified during Trump's first year in office as the president became embroiled by a federal investigation into possible collusion between his campaign for president and Russia. The national news media led by the New York Times and Washington Post reported almost daily on breaking news revealing how Russia used a sophisticated cyber campaign to interfere in the 2016 election. The media's reporting has revealed that President, Russian President Vladimir Putin tried to discredit Hillary Clinton and tip the outcome of the 2016 election in favor of Donald Trump. The media first reported that Russian operatives hacked the accounts of the Democratic Party and publicly released 30,000 embarrassing emails related to Clinton's presidential campaign. They have also reported frequently on the federal investigation by Robert Mueller and his team regarding whether anyone close to Trump participated in the Russian interference in the election. Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, surrendered to the FBI and pleaded guilty to charges that he laundered millions of dollars through overseas shell companies after reaching a deal with the Justice Department. Rick Gates, Manafort's longtime associate, as well as a campaign advisor, also pleaded guilty to federal crimes. Without the rigorous investigative and adversarial journalism of the news media, on behalf of political leaders, the people would not have the means and information necessary to hold their elected representatives accountable to the people. Throughout this chapter in this podcast, we've discussed the watchdog role of the media. Adversarial journalism, where the news media seeks to expose political corruption through reporting that is skeptical of government and public officials, is a critical part of what makes democratic governments work. Aggressive use of the techniques of investigation, publicity, and exposure has allowed the national media to enhance their autonomy and carve out a prominent place for themselves in American government and politics. Without aggressive media coverage, important questions about the conduct of American foreign domestic policy, police violence, drone attacks, and election interference by foreign governments, police corruption, or political corruption, and civil liberty violations may not ever be raised. It is easy to criticize the media for their aggressive tactics, but our democracy may not function effectively without the role of the press. Independent media are needed as the watchdogs of American politics. In many countries, such as China, the government exercises strict control over traditional media content. In others, the government owns the broadcast media, but does not tell the media what to say. In the United States, the print and online media are essentially free from government interference, The broadcast media, on the other hand, are subject to federal regulation. American radio and television are regulated by the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, an independent agency established in 1934. Radio and TV stations must have FCC licenses, which must be renewed every five years. 
Through regulations prohibiting obscenity, indecency, and profanity, the SEC has sought to prohibit radio and television stations from airing explicit sexual and excretory references between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m., the hours when the audience is most likely to include children. Generally speaking, FCC regulation applies only to the -the over-the-air broadcast media. It does not apply to cable television, the internet, or satellite radio. In 1996, Congress passed the Telecommunications Act, a broad effort to end most regulations. The legislation loosened restrictions on media ownership and allowed telephone companies, cable television providers, and broadcasters to compete with one another to provide telecommunications services. Following the passage of this act, mergers between telephone and cable companies and different entertainment media produced a greater concentration of media ownership than had been possible since regulation of the industry began in 1934. Though the act loosened many regulations, it did, did include an attempt to regulate the content of material transmitted over the internet. Uh, this law, known as the Communications Decency Act, made it illegal to make indecent sexual material on the internet accessible to those under age 18. The act was immediately denounced by civil libertarians, and in 1997, the Supreme Court ruled the Communications Decency Act was an unconstitutional infringement of the right to freedom of speech guaranteed by the First Amendment. Although the government's ability to regulate the content of the internet is limited, the FCC has used its licensing power to impose several regulations that can affect the political content of radio and TV broadcasts. The first of these is the equal time rule, under which broadcasters must provide two candidates for the same political office equal opportunities to communicate their messages to the public. Under the terms of the Telecommunications Act, during the 45 days before an election, broadcasters are required to make time available to candidates at the lowest rate charged for that time slot. The second regulation affecting... The content of broadcast is the right of rebuttal, which requires that individuals be given the opportunity to respond to personal attacks. For many years, a third important federal regulation was the Fairness Doctrine. Under this rule, broadcasts that air programs on controversial issues were required to provide time for a person's use. In addition, the Fairness Doctrine included a requirement that TV and radio stations cover controversial issues of public and social importance in their communities. In 1995, however, the SEC stopped enforcing the Fairness Doctrine on the grounds that there were so many radio and television stations, to say nothing of newspapers and news magazines, that in all likelihood required to try, or that in all likelihood many different viewpoints were already being presented without each station being required to present, to try to present all sides of every argument. In 1987, the SEC officially revoked the Fairness Doctrine. Critics of this FCC decision charge that in many media markets, the number of competing viewpoints is actually quite small. The rise of online media challenges are thinking about regulation of the media as it is more difficult, some say impossible, to regulate political content online. In 2011, the United Nations declared that access to the internet is a human right. While this declaration came in response to threats by authoritarian governments against internet access, it demonstrates the significance of information technology in modern life. All right, so that was the media. Now, the next podcast is going to be about political participation and voting.